Welcome to the 46th episode of the Hail Mary podcast. I'm A. Toves, and I'm joined by my husband, the Toves. We're back to give our hot takes on our beat down of rice and throw some Hail Mary shots downfield for our listeners to love or hate. Let's get started. Bad memories of another cold and rainy November matchup loomed in the mind of Roadrunner players and fans before this game. Fortunately, this time it had a much different outcome. While the Roadrunners' first drive ended in a Brady punt, the next three drives resulted in touchdowns, giving UTSA a commanding 21-0 first quarter lead. Even with turnovers on the next two possessions, Rice could not capitalize and were clearly outmatched. The Roadrunners added two more touchdowns and a pair of field goals in a decisive 41-7 win. UTSA won the Conference USA regular season championship and secured home field advantage in the championship game. What were your thoughts on the game? Well, first you brought up the the weather. And, you know, it it was bearable because when we first went and sat down, we looked to our left and there were a bunch of people we know. (laughs) Some of our um, fellow um, section mates there with uh, Stephen Gomez and Brian Elliott. And then, of course, the Alameda Audible guys were there, Jared and Adrian. Um, Lots of fun getting a chance to uh, hang out with them throughout the game. And uh, I think Jared pretty much said it at one point, so much more bearable to sit through this kind of cold, miserable game when you're around friends, right? So that was one thing. Also, just really want to shout out real quick. We've seen him a few times. Glad to see uh, someone who listens to us, uh, Robert. Uh, appreciated him coming up to us again, talking to us. Um, appreciate you uh, listening. So hopefully we, uh, we make this a good podcast episode for you yeah but yeah i mean you kind of talked about this the the bad memories of you know cold and rainy november game you know i just think that there were differences in terms of last season and this season sure you know last season there was this huge just as much as i didn't want to say it at the time because i didn't want to believe it um there certainly was you know, a letdown mm-hmm. after you know that huge UAB win. Sure, because you needed that win not only to legitimize your record, um, but also to give yourself a chance to even go to the championship game. I mean, you know, we've talked about it a few times. Like they lose that game against UAB, and let's say that they win at North Texas, they're still left out of the championship game. So you know, it, it was it was certainly a lot of things that led up to everything that happened in Denton. You know, I, weather sure played a part, but, you know, the fact that they didn't really show up there was a problem. So, in this game, you know, it just didn't... I, I just guess I would just say that Rice was just so overmatched that yeah. it was it was clear from the start, right? Like, this is, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was different in terms of the match, but it was also very different in terms of the mindset of the team going in. I mean, I think, you know, again, when you're coming into a game where you have what, 11 wins, yes, they were going up for this, you know, undefeated regular season. They, you know, there were all these little sayings, don't eat the cheese and whatever, but, you know, they did kind of get to a point where I think they felt like they were indestructible, especially after that big UAB win. This team has a completely different mindset. You know, they feel like they're battling adversity, whether it's internal with the injuries the losses they face at the beginning of the season, the fact that the majority of the team knows what that felt like at North Texas. You know, I think they just had a very different mindset. They were definitely very dialed in. You know, the coaches were reminding them about the North Texas game. The media was reminding them about the North Texas game. 
you know they were reminding each other about that and you know it just kind of seemed very different even from apparently as soon as they got on the field and Dadrian Taylor being the you know official unofficial leader of the defense you know taking off his shirt to uh you know show them he's going to be tough and it was going to be a different game and and according to Frank having a few uh screws, screws loose, loose. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was a if you didn't get to hear the post-game uh, press conference, that was a really fun moment from Frank just talking about Dejan after they asked him, you know, oh, he took off his shirt. You know, what did you think about that? He's always got a few screws loose. So, yeah. uh, we're not just making something up about Dejan. <laughs> 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 no, I agree. But I think part of that, and this is something I wanted to ask you about, was, you know, I felt like the foundation of all, like, these last two seasons was actually set, you know, obviously in Trailer's first season. Right. Tons of adversity with COVID. Tons of adversity, you know, either... I guess to back up on COVID internally and externally, whether sure. you don't know if you're going to play that opponent the next week. And then, you know, also, are you going to be healthy enough to play that week? Right. And it was injuries as well as illness. You exactly. Know? So there was plenty of adversity. And then, you know, they went through some adversity last year. There were some injuries, you know, you know, we've kind of mentioned before, Maka was not really healthy the whole season. So, you know, snapping wasn't as great. You had Makai Hart miss some games. I mean, there were injuries in different places. This season has just been even more incredible in terms of injuries to the offensive line where you've gotten to a point of you have a, you know, walk-on playing right tackle. And, you know, so it's just interesting that we get to this point and we start questioning them again. And it's like every single time we question them, you can tell this team is absolutely focused. Sure. And to your point, do we really – I mean, I, I guess I should really say to, to what you said, should we really be questioning them? Uh, anymore? No, but I think they need that. I mean, they're a team that seems like they need to have a chip on their shoulder. And I think going into, you know, last year into the North Texas game, they didn't have that. And we saw kind of the difference. But I feel like this is just a team that's sort of built from the, you know, we're being under underestimated. Let's come from behind kind of mentality. And they seem to rise to the occasion. So it's almost good when people project that the game might be harder than than needs to be or you know look at the beginning of the season and say maybe it's going to be a seven and five season instead of a six and six like they seem to rise to the occasion yeah and I think that also has to do something also with trailer because as much as they talk about trailer and some of the things he reminds them of you know because he they even talked about the fact that yeah he kept bringing it up that he didn't want them to feel like they felt after Houston after you know um Texas and also after Denton last year and you know, to me, I just really thought that this team is also reminded at times, and you know, maybe it isn't how he might put it, but I'm sure that he reminds them, hey, you weren't really recruited that much about a, you know, by such and such school, sure. or this other school didn't really think that you could play or whatever. It certainly will be a motivating factor, like, you know, especially for most of these guys who are like, really, at times, I would say three stars, mm -hmm. you know, or two stars, or one stars, like, their collective, we've talked about before, is so much better than just them being individuals. They're all really good individuals as well, but, you know, when they get together and they really play, I think they, they do a very good job. And we saw it against, you know, Rice. And I think it was easy to see it against Rice because, again, you know, I go back to what I said about, La, you know, the game against La Tech where UTSA was clearly, clearly, you know, strong, bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah, and the other piece when you look at the Rice game Look at the adversity they faced during the game and how they handled it. You had the quarterback go down, you know, what, second drive of the game. Right. 
he's the starter at the beginning of the season, but he can't play, you know, so he's coming in for the guy who's been starting, who's injured. So we're on QB number two. Then you see QB number three come in. You know, he does okay, but he throws an interception. They go to QB number four. It it seems like for a few drives in the first half, almost every drive, whether it was Rice on offense or Rice on defense, had someone go down. I mean, they were just falling all over themselves, getting injured. And instead of rising to the occasion, you kind of just saw like Rice crumble. Like it almost felt like at some point they're like, we just got to survive and get out of this game and try to keep our bowl eligibility hopes up against North Texas next week. Yeah, as a guy would like fall down, I, I, at one point I leaned over to you and I said, are we going to hurt some of these kids like badly? Because it, it felt like that at yeah. times. And I'm, I'm sure that quarter, the uh, quarterback, Wiley, he's probably back out for the rest of the season again. Yeah, he could be. I mean, he got smacked pretty hard. It looked like maybe there was, you know... Speculate a little bit, it probably looked a little more like collarbone-ish because of the fact that the way they were holding his right right arm. And yeah. you saw the same thing, like, you know, with Josh Atkins, unfortunately, right. um, back in 2020. So, yeah, I mean, certainly it did feel like we were obviously, you know, as I said, we were the bigger, stronger team. Though I will say that they were being very uh, judicious in how at times when we went up-tempo, they all of a sudden would go to the ground. Yeah. Um, you know, that is a certain way to, I would say, to slow down this UTSA offense at times is to start pulling the fake injuries. And, you know, we, we saw it a couple times, you know, before in other games, but this game, it just seemed like they were doing it. But on the on one hand, it felt like they were doing it because, man, I don't know if I want to be in the game anymore. <laughs> and to your point of... In my misery. Yeah, in my misery now. Um I guess the only other thing I wanted to say about just the game conditions is the fact that when we were doing the rewatch, it didn't really come out at times just how the rain uh, was really being sporadic. Like there were t- like for the longest time in the first half, it was really light, and then all of a sudden, like like near the end of the first half, it just started coming down. But it wasn't so hard, like you know, up there in Denton last season, where it was just like that the entire time, right? It was, you know, like you said, it just kind of came and went. But one thing that we didn't feel as much, but I think that people that were closer, sitting closer to the field, certainly felt was the wind. Yeah. It was blowing what they said, I think, northeasterly. So if you're looking at it from, uh, if you're watching the game, it was going from your left, from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen. And it was, I think, more apparent when when (laughs) Rice... I went for two field goals late in the first half because the kicker clearly was trying to compensate for that wind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it just, you kind of felt bad because you knew that they weren't going to get any more chances to score. Right. <laughs> I, they ended up scoring, but still, it just felt like they're not going to get very many more chances just because that offense just really isn't moving. Um, the only other thing I was going to say was, you're right, um, when they, after Wiley Green got knocked out, um, I trash, and I don't remember how to say his first name, um, he's actually the quarterback that I gave the preview on. You know, he came in. I, you know, we both agreed. Like, he did okay. Like, yeah. you know, he led him on two field goal drives, but it's not his fault that the kicker missed both field goals. Now he comes out in the third quarter, and you know, I think it was the second or third play of the, of the second half. He throws the interception, but it just felt like 
you know, you throw in a young guy at a really bad spot in AJ Paget, and you know, you could tell he struggled. And when you have a UTSA defense, that's <laughs> I hate to put it this way again too, but much like La Tech, it felt like they were swarming at every single point. Right. I mean, it was clear they were trying to stop the run. So you saw white jerseys in the backfield. It certainly had to have been, I guess, overwhelming to come in right at that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, getting the ball to about the 25-yard line and then looking at this defense that you've been on the sideline and have seen they're just penetrating past your offensive line right. over and over. It's, um, yeah, you know, it was uh, certainly, I would say, um, not a feeling that I would want to ever feel. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. You know, the interesting thing about this game is that when you look at the stats – it would almost tell you, if you didn't watch the game at all and you just looked at the stats, you would not expect to see the score that you see. I mean, if you look at UTSA's time of possession, it was 25 minutes versus Rice at 34 minutes. We only had 394 yards of total offense, which is, I think, the lowest all season. Yes, it is, yes. And then if you go back and you look at our uh, PFF ratings for our offense, it's the second worst game of the season, Texas and FIU being tied as the worst game in terms of our offensive performance, you would look at all of those stats and not expect to see a score that says 41 to 7. You know, it was the turnovers, like you mentioned earlier, that that really helped with the short fields. Um, and I would say the other the other big thing was the fact that, and, and Trailer mentioned this after, you know, post game was look, you know, we, we mass substituted and that can be really hard mm-hmm. and our guys just couldn't execute. And that was somewhat frustrating, you know, because you wanted to see some of these younger guys come in and get, you know, for a second week in a row, get some, you know, good snaps. Yeah. Um, but then not be able to really move the ball or, like, get a chance to really shine. And, you know, I think if you looked at Eddie Lee's uh, performance, you know, you see his stats, and immediately you would think, well, you know, he didn't look very good. He's like four for eight, but there was some drops, just like with Frank. There was a couple of drop drop passes. The weather, I mean, I don't know that it was necessarily the weather. It might have been the wind a little bit. Certainly, you know, it's raining, so you know your hands get a little slicker. But you know, I, I just think that it just gets to a point where it's like, all right, clearly Rice wants to get out of here. You know, UTSA wants to get out of here. I mean. Um, the fans wanted to get out of there because yeah. it was in the 40s, but you know. Well, and, and one thing before before we move on is it was really nice to see Rice travel to UTSA's only out, you know outdoor home game. Because exactly. <laughs> let me tell you, if you could hear it on the, on the rewatch, we we could certainly hear ourselves chanting the entire time. And our um, band. And yeah, no, I mean it was it was clear that if you were looking at the UTSA sideline, plenty of UTSA fans that traveled or you know Houston you know obviously alumni that showed up Rice literally had like maybe I would say five people that were actually sitting lower than like you know the top quote-unquote suite levels right Um, but yeah it was uh it was certainly certainly a rough moment for Rice but eh, you know what uh we got the win we got uh, a nice showing in Houston let's talk about special teams um really was there really anything you wanted to nitpick on? Because I thought Sackett was, you know, great again. Um, you know, hitting a couple of field goals and called upon. You know, uh, I think both of them were against the wind. I could be wrong. Um, one of them, 
Actually, no. You know what? They were in third quarter, so they were actually with the win. But I don't think he really needed the win. No. <laughs> Jared's got a really good leg, and it's been pretty consistent lately. So I don't think no, it, there's any qualms there. Yeah, I think the um, interesting thing in this special teams review is, again, we saw Brendan Brady pooch punt the ball second time this season. Um, you know, it's very confusing for the announcers and for the stati- statisticians that are following this game because – how many times do you really see a running back um, punting? Right. So first of all, if you watched on ESPN, they said it was Frank Harris that punted, which it wasn't. And then if you look at any of the stats for the games that didn't come directly from UTSA, they credit Lucas Dean with the punt because I guess you know Brendan and Lucas wearing the same number is also single digits. Yeah, right. also confusing for them. But you know Brendan once again. He comes in, he punts, which is obviously not his specialty, and he pins Rice to the one-yard line. I mean, just amazing that he's able to do that. I never thought I'd say, hey, we might have a better punter than Lucas Dean. <laughs> but I'm, is Brendan Brady it? I mean, <laughs> He had the longest punt of the night out of all of the punts that Dean had. So, I mean, it's pretty... Um, it's just pretty interesting to see that. I'd like to think that Dean was just, you know, kind of thrown off a little, maybe you know, shaken by the fact that maybe Brendan was really aiming for his job like, right before <laughs> he right. Really finishes the season. So, I, I don't know. I mean, that's just me just kind of throwing, spitballing here. Although, Dean's probably happy with the fact that he gets credited with Brady's, you know, stats right. and the punding because it's not like they're bad. So, right. anyways. But, yeah, I mean, really, special teams, there were a couple of inconsistent return coverages on the kickoffs, but... You know, nothing crazy. With the different weather, you know, with the weather kind of, you know, affecting both teams, uh, you know, I I don't know that there's necessarily much you can take away from it except the fact that, hey, look, you know, if you can turn the corner at times, um, you know, you're going to have some guys sliding away. But if you can turn the corner, then you might have a lot of green ahead of you. you, Excuse me. With that, let's move to the um, offensive review, keys to victory review. I said, hey, let's attack the middle of that Rice D in the running game. First two touchdowns were essentially uh, runs up the middle. I, I know the first touchdown from Frank was like, you know, he's kind of scrambling around, but he essentially went through the middle of where, you know, both, you know, where their offensive line would have been. Um, and then that that second touchdown was essentially, you know, just an inverted VR option play that he could have handed off to Josh and probably could have gotten a touchdown. But, you know, being a little selfish... A good selfish, I would say, (laughs) because it was odd to me that they didn't have more of a spy on Frank. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it was like, you know what? We're going to make Frank beat us. We're not going to let anybody else beat beat us. And I was like, well, that's not how successful defenses really attack UTSA. But hey, whatever Rice wanted to do, they wanted to do, that's fine. Um, The only other thing I was going to say was Brady's uh, long run uh, was another one up the middle. I mean, you know, it's they've got talent on the on the outs rice has had some talent on the outside on mm-hmm. defense and hence why i said let's attack the middle because that's where they're just gonna be a little softer the other part was i wanted to see them challenge the linebackers to cover the tight ends now you know due to the weather and really the success on the ground there was really no reason to really go through the air too much and even so like we didn't really get too much tight end action though we did get oscar's first touchdown i think of the season right Nice little, nice little kind of play where he just all of a sudden gets left alone. I don't know how a man that large gets left alone, but you know what? That's why Rice's defense isn't very good. I know, and, and it's almost a year ago since he scored the touchdown at UAB. So, 
Yep, that was that was really cool to kind of look back and, and realize that yes, it's been about a year. So hey, look, you mentioned we mentioned the rushing. Uh, you mentioned it too. It was the season best, two hundred sixty two yards, three big runs. So we had sixty three from Frank, uh, forty five from Kavorian, and forty two from Brady. It's tough to beat UTSA, even if they're not ripping off long runs like that. But once you see this trio like rip off some long runs. It's going to be a long day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was more than half of our total rushing yards for the game. I will say this. I think, you know, we were looking at just a nitpick a little bit, but Clifford Chapman gets essentially a, an interception and takes it down to the 11. Kind of feel like, you know, we were going to put that one away. And, you know, I had I had put a prediction of 44 to, to 13 as a final score. Ended up 41-7, so not too bad from, from my end. But... You know, would have liked to see them put that one away and just kind of instead of settling for a Jared Sackett yeah. field goal, you know, really put one away and continue to kind of really get Frank off the field sooner. Yeah, and, and Frank mentioned that one in the post game. You could tell it sort of um, irked him that, you know, they didn't get the touchdown there. Um, but it was also funny to hear him say, you know, uh, I guess Trailer told them if you want to stay warm, score f- quickly and get off the field. <laughs> so that was, was kind of... <laughs> His thought process, apparently going into the game. I mean, that's fair, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you're going to want to get off the field. And get off the field, they did. I mean, there were a lot of big plays here. And, you know, I, I think just the overall story from the offense was, sure, the yards may not look at it. And like you said, the stats may not show it. But I don't know that I would give up the, this performance, mm-hmm. um, you know, outside of the fact that, hey, look, in some bad conditions, you guys still put up some points. So whatever, we got the win, we got out of there. That said, offensive player of the game. Um, you know, I was looking for players because there just didn't seem to be enough guys putting up stats. <laughs> but uh, I'm kidding. It's Frank Harris. I mean, he kind know. of put the game on his shoulders and was like, "Guys, I got this." He did, and I want to talk about that a little bit later. So hold that thought. We'll move on to the defense right now. Essentially, the keys to victory was bottle up the run. Shouldn't have to put up those full numbers like you did against North Texas. You know, this UTSA defense, I think we have to be careful of because these are essentially LaTac and Rice, two teams that aren't very good. So they have been putting up some good stats. But we got to just be careful. Not to say that this team, this defense isn't good. It's just the fact that the stats will maybe make you think otherwise. And let me give you negative 11, 11 yards rushing for Rice in the first half. And then for the game, five yards. Right. So now we're essentially top three in rushing defense, um, which I laugh about. But, I mean, it takes games like this and, like, against, you know, UNT when it was, like, 21 rushes for 22 yards that we held them to. It's those types of games that will take you – you will see then all these stats plummet, and all of a sudden we're looking like this top three rushing defense. Um, you know, I still think that this defense is probably one of the best in Conference USA, stats aside. And it's just that, you know, once you get kind of allow a few long drives and long runs, eh, it's going to make you look a little worse than you are. The only other thing I had in terms of keys for victory was pressure, McMahon, and turnovers. Like, he didn't get to play. Um, unfortunately, but certainly this defense really started putting out pressure on these quarterbacks. So much so 
it caused Rice a lot of havoc because mm-hmm. there was a lot of blitzes from our secondary, and that's really where you know things got kind of interesting because um, essentially Rice would come up to the line of scrimmage, and they're not an up tempo team; they're a huddle every single play team. So they would huddle, they would get to the line of scrimmage, and UTSA wouldn't show their secondary blitz until the very last minute. So much so that there were a couple of times where you thought that we had been off sides. Right. It looked like it, yeah. But when you're on your own home field, you're you're going to get those calls, and they're not going to flag you for being off sides. So there's that. But let's talk about the fact that we only allowed 230 yards, lowest all season. Any thoughts on that? Overall, I felt like the defense played really well. Again, you mentioned you know, causing a lot of havoc from the secondary. When you look back at the post-game notes for UTSA, um, the note under Corey Mayfield said, like, lived in the backfield, which I thought was kind of funny, but true. You know, I mean, (laughs) Corey, um, you know, it's not typical to see a corner sacking a quarterback, but, you know, in this environment, in this this scheme, um, that's what happened, and, um, you know, he was clearly enjoying himself. I mean, the boys, I would say, on defense were turned loose. Yeah. And I think it's, what I think is good about this is just the fact that it now, I think, gives defenses more to think about, Mm -hmm. especially uh, North Texas. You know, North Texas, you know, we talked about the fact that, you know, they had put up all these numbers, you know, um, up on the line of scrimmage to stop the run. Seeing some of these late blitzes and some of the way they disguise some of these, uh, some of these defensive plays, you know, certainly like. I think you have to kind of back off a little bit on Lep, but you also have to realize, like I said, be careful here because it was Rice. They didn't have a, they have an awful line, which has been ravaged by, you know, injuries as well. So while, you know, we were able to live in the backfield, remember the disparity in talent and let's not get too high and think, oh yeah, this look at, you know, how great the defense is. There are still some holes here, but when you see them flying around having fun like this and then getting a chance to, you know, essentially leave the field early, it's always good because, again, yeah. talk, going back to those injuries, you want to limit anything that happens there. Right. I mean, two things that I thought were kind of interesting. Going into this game, you know, Rice has had a turnover problem, a significant turnover problem. Right. And I guess one thing that you can say went well for Rice is that they only had three turnovers in this game. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, when you're excited about only having three turnovers, one interception and two fumbles. Well... Two fumbles they lost. They fumbled it that like eight true. times. I mean, That's they true. were having a snapping problem, and I think they were recovering their own fumbles. Yeah. So it's okay. I and and let me just say this: it's a good thing they recovered those other six because this could have gotten even uglier if right. that was the case. Right. Um, and the other player that I wanted to call out that had a, a good game, and because this player almost committed to Rice, was probably really enjoying himself even more so, um, and that was Kalechi. Um, he had six tackles, one sack, one t- tackle for loss, and one um, pass deflected. You know, Kalechi had told a story recently about how he had tried to decommit from UTSA to commit to Rice, um, and Frank Wilson talked him out of it, which he obviously was very happy about now. So it, it almost seemed like you know he was really using this opportunity to kind of take it to Rice as well. Your boy Kalechi, the guy uh, you have a soft spot for. <laughs> I do, I do. That's why I had to call it out. <laughs> All right, let's get to the defensive player of the game. Um, this is a guy that I thought or was hoping that he would step up a little bit more. He's been a little maligned um, by you know some UTSA fans, but you know what? He's come through. 
That's Clifford Chapman. He had one interception, four tackles, and two pass breakups. I wasn't sure how he'd react after the loss of Rashad for the season, but I think it's certainly been a bright spot that even against, you know, teams like LaTeX and um, Rice, but even before then, that he's really stepped up his game, and he has looked pretty good, you know, in, in terms of uh, really, I think, being, I'm going to put this quote-unquote, being the sheriff in the, uh, in the secondary, where he's been laying the big hits, mm-hmm. you know, he's been intercepting some passes, so... Just good to see him have some success after last season, um, his season being cut short. Right. Well, Ato's that time again. What did we learn from the game? Well, clearly we learned that we can play in the cold and rain. (laughs) Yes, yes, we certainly can. I don't think there was as much question from us, but... Yeah, we we talked a lot about the elements, but certainly that that, that is a checkbox now. Good to hear. All right, one other thing we learned, I think, to me, is just the difference between last year's team and this year's team. You know, there's been a lot of debate over, and I, I think you can't have the debate, which which team was better, last season or this season. And I don't want to talk about the talent on the teams. And when I say this, I'm just going to say this team is better because of what they learned last year. Last season, you know, things just went, quote-unquote, perfectly, right? Everything seemed to be, you know, like you had talked about before, really came up roses, you know, you're going through a perfect season. You know, things are just falling in place. You end up getting ranked as high as 15th. This season, this team comes out, and, you know, to your point, it was like, well, it's not going to be as good a season. We're just, you know, the, the out the of conference. schedule's harder, yeah. yeah. It's so much harder. You know, everything's, you know, going to be more difficult. You know, I heard from, you know, <laughs> UTSA, essentially, don't judge us by our first four games. You know, it was... We got punched in the mouth a little bit by Houston. Yeah. You it, know... It was certainly, you know, obviously, you know, kind of try to downplay everything. And it was like, just wait till conference play. And then that's when things will really rise. Oh, okay. Yeah, they did. But we also knew that this team was going to be good. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of returning starters from last season. You know, there was, I think, really a bad taste in their mouth of how they ended November last season. And when I was looking at this entire, you know, Conference USA schedule, all I kept thinking about was, look, we don't have, like, the toughest November schedule but regardless of what happens up in, up in CUSA at that point, I know that these guys are going to really want to close out the season as best as they can. And, you know, to this point, they have. You know, we'll talk about UTEP here in a little while uh, and preview that game. But, you know, to me, I think another big difference is just the fact that, you know, we were listening to JJ and uh, Greg do their, you know, post-game, you know, wrap-up. And... You know, there was talk about, like, how Frank is never happy with the offense. Like, he's always like, nope, nope, we just didn't do enough. No, well. And I, I just made a comment to you that I felt like it's because Frank really has taken ownership of the offense. Whereas, like, last season, you know, I made the case to you that it was, like, Sincere's offense because it was, you know, he was the one that, you know, if he, he gets going, then this UTSA offense and the UTSA team is just going to be so, so good. And we knew that Frank had taken, you know, Obviously, a, you know, a few steps up last season. And then this season, we're like, well, we expect him to take even further steps. Well, I don't think he took a further steps. I think he took a huge-ass leap um, and really took ownership of this offense. And we look back and we see all these injuries. And, you know, I could, you know, go through all of the names. But if I was to tell you, hey, these are all the guys that are injured, but we have this score or we have this, uh, you know, record at this point in time... What would your initial thoughts be? Well, it means Frank didn't get injured for sure. 
Exactly. And I think that, you know, it obviously is such a dumb moment again, like I like to put it, but it's Frank. Like, Frank has become the guy. Like, you know, last season, as much as we probably were hoping it wouldn't happen, you know, we're like, if Sincere gets hurt, you know, can Frank shoulder that load? This season, it's like, if Frank gets hurt, season's gone down because, yes, we have some talented backup quarterbacks, but no one can replace the heart and soul that is Frank Harris. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I think this really epitomized it, too, as you're just watching him, and I kind of, you know, jokingly said, oh, he's being selfish, and I didn't didn't hand off the ball, but, you know, he's, he's had such, you know, a tough career at times that... Let the guy just kind of cook again and just let yeah. him go to make some big runs. I mean, Though I will say I was afraid that he might slip and like yeah. in the rain. So he did um, break his own school record of rushing yards by a quarterback in this game. His previous record had been UIW. Just always breaking something. Isn't he? I know. I mean, at, <laughs> at this least point, it's he, records, right? <laughs> at this, yeah, exactly. <laughs> at this point, he's just breaking his own records because I mean. He's, I think he's broken almost every quarterback record or, or every quarterback record there is in the school history. So, Right. I mean, someone can fact check me on that. But <laughs> Outside of that, um, I mentioned earlier, UTSA won the regular season um, and will now host their second straight Conference USA championship game. It was a little interesting to see this trophy coming out at the end of the game because, you know, I don't really think – at least I didn't think about a regular season champion because in the past we've had, you know, East and West divisions, but um, because there's only one division this year, there's a regular season champion and there was a big old trophy and it was, you know, handed to trailer um, at the end of the game. And so we got to see the kids posing with it and having a lot of fun. So one of those things that's kind of interesting, again, when we were talking about, um, listening to to Greg and JJ on their their wrap-up, you know, Greg was, you know, questioning, okay, so is there going to be, like, a regular season, you know, banner that they put up? Or, you know, hopefully we win the championship game and we can, you know, just say regular season and championship win? I mean, how does that work? Well, I kind of thought about it in the way, like, you know, you do uh, basketball because UTSA basketball does have a regular season, like, Southland Southland, uh, Conference uh, regular season championship banner, so... You know, uh, it's weird in football, but I think because all these because it's not a are, tournament, you know, it's right? Like, so yeah. But essentially, conferences are going since they're going away from divisions, you know, and everybody's kind of playing each other, and then they play a championship game essentially to decide who goes on to. It's almost playoffs because you're. I mean, yeah. you're trying to get to the playoffs or to a, a good bowl. So, you know, it, it's interesting, yes. Um, but when they brought it out, I was like, well, I didn't really think they would actually want her that, but yeah. <laughs> Um, looking more and more like we're either going to face North Texas or Western Kentucky. Um, if North Texas beats Rice next weekend, then they have the tiebreaker with Western Kentucky, regardless of what Western Kentucky does. If they lose and Western Kentucky wins against FAU next week, then Western Kentucky would be who we would play. So, um, you know, one of the two certainly think probably from just sort of an outsider perspective, the more um, competitive matchup and the more exciting matchup would be against North Texas. But man, I I think there's also um, a lot of 
angst and anxiety that goes into a matchup with North Texas for a second time in the year. Well, none of these games are, are, are going to be pretty much easy. I mean, right. last season, it was the angst about we had to play Western Kentucky again. I mean, we... We barely beat them at their own <laughs> at their own home, right? Um, and it's like like a essentially a miraculous Clarence Hicks diving interception to really put that game away. So uh, yeah, I mean, it, no matter what, it, it's probably going to be um, something that we fear. But you know, if you're asking me which one of these two that I'd rather play, I would rather play Western Kentucky because um, I don't think Western Kentucky is that good. But if we're gonna, it's gonna be North Texas. I think you put it so much better is like what's what's better than like resting the championship away from your rival like just right. winning it and winning it right in their face yeah and we'll take it anytime so you know rice if you want to duct tape yourself up and uh try and, and beat north texas next week to get bowl eligible no one's gonna no no one's gonna be upset about that yeah. but you know nonetheless we did find out today that um, UTSA got ranked in the coaches poll. They're just outside, kind of effectively, 26th spot in the AP poll. Of course, the one poll that really, really matters is the um, playoff um, poll that will come out on Tuesday. And, you know, we'll see how we do there. Um, you know, obviously last year, they didn't seem to like UTSA very much um, in, the, in that poll, but, you know, who knows? Um, but if we don't get ranked this week, it's certainly something to give us um, another thing to play for next week against UTEP. And not to mention, if we beat UTEP next week, it will be the first time we have beat <laughs> the Texas Trio. Well, there you go. So we got to take down UTEP. It's the last time we'll have that opportunity to beat North Texas, UTEP, and Rice in the, the same year. So one more thing to play for. All right, I got one last thing that we learned from this game. We know that Coach Trailer can actually, you know, he moves down the sideline pretty fast if he needs to. I don't think I've seen him move as fast as post-game when yeah. the guys wanted to give him uh, the give ice, him ice bath. bath. Yeah. It, it certainly was, I think, quite the sprint I saw from him on yeah. a wet field, mind you. And what was it? I think he had plastic bags on his shoes. Yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> he like, showed his socks in the post-game press conference. It was kind of funny. But, you know, expect the unexpected when it comes to Coach Trailer, right? I mean. Yeah. Well, it, but like I say, in, like, that sprint, I was like, is that is that Trailer that's running over there? Yeah. And I realized, oh, it was. Why is he running? And then I see the guys with the ice bags. And I was like, all right. But um, the reason I'm bringing it up is just clearly our guy can maybe beat other coaches in the, the 40. I'm that's just right. saying, like, I, I, I think that's a nice motivating factor for Trailer if he ever wants to take on anybody in a, in a 40. Or like a coach's death match yeah. where they have to, like, you know, sprint down the field or something? Yeah. Okay, let's get to our UTEP preview. Weather's going to be great because it's in the dome, sweet dome. It can, it can be as cold as it can be outside, but inside it would be a nice 74 degrees. That's right. All right, so UTEP is fighting for bowl eligibility. Um, do you remember when it used to come down to that last game? You, you've brought it up a couple of times, but do you remember that, that, that feeling? I know, that 2016-2017 that feeling where we were wondering if that last game we were going to get to win number six. It's crazy to think now... We just blow past that. 
but these other schools, you know, again, they're Rice, UTEP, FAU, they're all fighting to the very end to see if they can get to win number six and make a bowl. Hence why I appreciate where UTSA is, is right now because of the fact that we don't have to suffer through all of that. Right. <laughs> and try to figure out, like, we, are we going bowling or not? Mm-hmm. Um, appreciated. Very much appreciated. UTSA opens up as an 18-point favorite over UTEP, who is 5-6 and six overall, 3-4 and four in CUSA. Um, all-time series is UTSA, UTSA is up 7-2. to two. And this is actually going to be the final game in the series, uh, unless we schedule an out-of-conference series. But um, it probably won't be for many, many years. Right. Any uh, any fond UTEP memories? Fond? No. I think that the UTEP <laughs> memories that stick with me are the two games that we lost so painfully. So yeah, no, I, I can't say that there's been fond memories of, of playing UTEP. But I know a lot of people have, you know, quite an affinity for going to the Sun Bowl and, and playing UTEP. I will tell you it's been nice to have that feeling that we almost had a check-the-box win on the schedule, though. <laughs> um, well, I, I guess the reason that I, I asked that is because of the fact that the reason you have that bitter taste is because both UTEP wins have been in the Dome. They have. But they were back in uh 2016 and 2014 so you know it's much been different a while. Te- much different teams yeah much much different teams during the trailer era utsa is 2-0 and and the average score is 48-22 utsa wow <laughs> um to say that uh, utsa has has had the upper hand in um against utep uh, with trailer at the uh, coach is um an understatement yeah that's probably the best word to put it <laughs> um look um utep is coached by dana dimmel um this dana dimmel era has been just quite odd and, and really it's just been inconsistent you know they, they've they've been just so up and down at times like we've talked about you know previously how teams can be up and down every single game um, that that's pretty much UTEP right there. Like if you're going to describe, you know, what UTEP is like in the last couple seasons, even, you know, a season before that, that is just Budo UTEP. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. We were listening to, um, an ESPN crew that covers UTEP and listening to their recap from their win over FIU and one of the guys said, you know, we've seen the good, the bad and the ugly this season with UTEP. And like you said, it's just that inconsistency. It's got to be a roller coaster. It's got to be even worse for the fans. I mean, yeah. it's hard, I think, to really, I think, strengthen that fan base when you're just such a roller coaster like that. And look, you know, one of the things that David Dimmel said, and we, you know, to reference back that radio show that we were listening to, uh, he said the guy got fired up because he says, oh, yeah, Dimmel came out and said, you know, that UTEP is a tough out and they can play with anyone. Well, yeah, that's that's college football in a nutshell, right? Like, you know, there's not really an easy out. Even when you're playing a team like La Tech or Rice, like we did, you know, it wasn't like they were going to be a, necessarily an easy team to mm-hmm. beat if you weren't focused and you weren't ready to play. You know, and that's really what it comes down to. Are, are you focused and ready to play these teams? And at, at least with UTEP... 
I'll say this. Look, coaches are paid to win games. So just to say, oh, they can play with anyone, I think just tells you everything you need to know about where Dana Dimmel is and where UTEP is at. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's pay- being paid quite a bit of money to to make sure that they continue to build. And so in my opinion, I just don't see that he's necessarily the guy that can turn it around. I think he's done a, a good job in at least trying to build something there. But, I, you know, I, I think somebody else needs to go in there and some fresh blood and to really, I think, take it to the next couple levels. More consistent winning um, and, and really, really, I think, challenging for conference titles. Let's get to their offense. It's fifth in total offense in Conference USA at 409 yards per game. Seventh in scoring, 27.4 points per game. I think one of the reasons they have this huge roller coaster is because of the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I've talked about Gavin Hardison all season. I will, you know, I, I just get frustrated with him when it comes to watching any UTEP games. And, you know, we've talked about how sicko we are in terms of watching college football. <laughs> we watch more UTEP games than I care to even admit to. But the question I think that you have is Brown Holtz, Brown Holtz or Hardison at quarterback? Yeah, and that's the question that their fan base has right now. You know, Hardison got hurt uh, in the Rice game. Brown Holtz came in. He played well. He played very well against FIU. Look, overall, he's not a great quarterback, but he seems to be a better quarterback than Hardison and, and perhaps does a better job running the offense that Demo wants. Um, the interesting thing about Brown Holtz, though, is that he has said, this is it. You know, he's done after this season. He has another year of eligibility, but he doesn't plan to use it. So this game could be his last game, or it might have been the FIU game, because it sounds like Hardison is healthy enough to return. So it, it'll just be a coach's decision of whether or not they put Hardison back in there, because he's been their starter and they've stuck with him, you know, when he's been healthy. Or, you know, do they put in Brownholtz and try to make the most competitive run that they can against UTSA, even though I don't know that that's going to make a significant amount of difference. It might be the difference between, you know, one or two scores. But Yeah, I mean, I believe that Calvin Brownholtz gives UTEP a better chance of competing, um, but he's just still not good enough to really help UTEP get over that hump. You know, I think the danger... Um, for for UTEP is if they had Hardison in there, he wasn't a very mobile quarterback to begin with, and mm-hmm. with a sore ankle, because um, that was really his injury, um, or even still just a bad, you know, ankle sprain. You can't be not mobile against this UTSA defense. You've yeah. got to be able to move around. And the way things are looking right now, just in the overall bowl picture, there's a chance. It's slim, but there is a chance that some of these teams that are sitting there in the bubble don't get to six wins. So there could be one or two, five and seven teams that get a bowl bid. So on the one hand, for a UTEP, you know, do you want to risk Hardison getting even more injured if there is that opportunity? I mean, slim to none, but right. but there is still a slim chance that. Like I said, one or two of these teams could get a bull bid, and then what do you do? If if he is really your guy, and he gets even further injured in this UTSA game. Agreed. Um, let me give you some stats real quick uh, on both quarterbacks. Calvin Brownholds has a career against UTSA. of He's one for one for 10 yards. Um, no rushing yards and one touchdown <laughs> run. 
<laughs> I, yeah. The reason I think that he's just slightly better is just because of the fact that, especially in the Rice game, it really became evident that uh, he can actually do more of a read option look. And with that, he gives that sort of running quarterback look. He's, um, I think the best way I described him to you is, to me, he was sort of a, at least in that Rice game, remind me of a, like a poor man's Dalton Sturm. Yeah, um, certainly not as talented, but he had a couple no. of nice little scrambles that were reminiscent of Dalton. Right, right. There, there, there really was. And so, you know, that really stood out to me. And I think against this UTSA defense, again, like I said, it makes it a little more competitive and gives UTSA something else to think about, but certainly not enough to uh, go ahead and, like, really say UTEP has that much better of a chance. Right. Um, Gavin Hardison has completed uh, against UTSA in his two games – 52.9% of his passes for 406 yards and four touchdowns has not thrown an interception. He's been sacked four times by this UTSA D in the last two games. Look, I've ragged on the guy all season, and certainly this injury has been bad for him, obviously, because it keeps him off the field. But I think it's helped UTEP in, in, you know, in an unfortunate way because of the fact that they were able to find Calvin Brownholtz. And you know now there's sort of a quote-unquote quarterback controversy and it's unfortunate that Brown Holtz isn't going to come back because I think that um, the way he's been operating this offense now um, certainly could give UTEP fans more hope but it is what it is right Um, running backs this is where I I just scratch my head (laughs) because Deion Hankins has 670 yards but only three touchdowns and Ron Awat has 655 yards two touchdowns these are two good running backs for conference usa i mean really any i would say uh, g5 conference they're pretty solid but for some reason maybe it's because it's utep they just to me haven't been able to get the most out of both of these players a lot of it has to do with me you know offensive line but uh, you know the biggest thing is quarterback when your quarterback is having problems you know completing passes you know consistently like gavin hardison does it's very everybody's going to sit back and or at least, you know, crowd the line of scrimmage right. and stop Awat and Hankins. But I will say this. Look, they're really only rushers. They don't catch the ball out of the backfield. I wish the best for them. Yeah, I wish the best for them because I thought that, you know, that they would be bigger stars uh, about this time, but it, it just hasn't happened for them. And it, honestly, I think it's a lot because of the way UTEP has run their offense. Um, their two wide receivers are kind of short. They're 5'10 and six foot respectively. You got Tyron Smith and Ray Flores. Tyron Smith actually caught a 42-yard touchdown pass last season uh, against uh, UTSA. It was late in the game. It wasn't like it was early in the game. Because at one point last season, it was this really good UTEP team versus this really good UTSA team. And it was being hyped up. And in the third quarter, at one point, we were up 37-9. to Um, UTSA pretty much put that to bed quickly. Tyron Smith has caught 67 passes, which is the most on the team. 940 yards, six touchdowns. Um, Ray Flores actually just kind of popped up out of nowhere. He's a second in the team in receptions, 47 uh, for 511 yards and one touchdown. He's also kind of does some work in the backfield as a running back. So um, kind of interesting to kind of see that he he kind of does dual roles at times, um, but he could be also a nice change of pace with Dion and, and, and Ron. So um, look, they're, they've got a solid offensive line with some good tackles and Jeremiah Byers and Steven Hubbard. You know, it's just, again, mind-boggling. You have a pretty good offensive line, and you can't really run the ball consistently. <laughs> you just, this offense, to me, just as a as a UTEP fan would make me just 
tear my hair out. Um, and you know, it, it's better than some of these bad like UTSA teams that that UTEP still lost to. I, I just I just scratch my head. I just don't know why they haven't gotten more out of this offense. Let's go to the defense though. Second in total defense in CUSA at 358 yards per game. They're sixth in scoring uh, D, uh, 27.9 points per game. <laughs> they, they score half a point less than they give up. That can be a problem if you're trying to win games. Uh, it doesn't matter which conference it is. They've played the least amount of plays on defense, hence why they're giving up about 358 yards per game. They've only 421 plays in Conference USA. <laughs> but because of that, they're giving up about six yards per play. <laughs> so um, contrast that with UTSA in the same context. I think they're giving up like 5.2 or 5.4 yards per, per play. So the point eight. Point six might not seem like a lot, but yeah, we've seen how this like yeah. yeah we've seen how this UTSA defense can attack a team. Look, they've got a stout rushing defense. Um, it's just that passing defense is leaky, and that's because there's a lot of their defensive backs have aren't, aren't just aren't very good. They've got a really good front seven. Um, starts with defensive end Praise Amuwale. I think I said his name right. And defensive tackle Keenan Stewart. They were there in the game last season. These guys are you know again having pretty good seasons. But having the big playmakers here are Jadrian Taylor, not Deadrian, Jadrian, yeah. <laughs> defensive end. He leads the team with eight and a half sacks. And then linebacker Cal Wallerstad is second with six and a half stats. I'll go back and say that Tyrese Knight um, is their linebacker that leads the team in tackles with 87. Wallerstad is second with 86. Wallerstad is a guy that UTSA is going to have to keep an eye on. I mean, obviously, their front seven is, like I said, pretty stout. But Wallerstad, leading in sacks, second in tackles, tells you right away that this guy's a playmaker um, and somebody that they're certainly going to have to um, keep a very big eye out on. So keys to victory on offense. To me, from what I've seen about UTEP this year, keep that tempo high because UTEP has struggled against up-tempo teams. Um, and then I want to see UTSA take some deep ball chances. We haven't really seen a lot of that this year and a lot of it's been because of the way the offense has been constructed but i kind of want to see that you know frank i think with the way this offensive line has really kind of come together and has gotten healthier i think they'll be able to take some deep ball chances on defense simple stop the run it's funny because i think you went back and like we're looking for <laughs> some keys to victory to stop in utep <laughs> yeah i came across um a bleacher report it was <laughs> UTEP, and I don't remember who the opponent was, but it was from 2012, and it was like, number one, stop the run, force UTEP to pass. <laughs> like, And then I start reading it, and I was like, that's not either one of the quarterbacks. I'm like, oh, this is an article from 2012. So apparently we've been running the same offense at UTEP, you know, since 2012. Right. And, you know. To not much success. Right. <laughs> um, the other thing I think on defense, you have to watch out for the play action and limit it because of the fact that they certainly can – really play off that pretty well and especially with brown holds now they will certainly look to do the read option and then potentially just fake and then make a throw utep at its best on offense is one that throws less than 20 times mm -hmm. and runs it well more than 30 times so you know numbers to kind of keep in your head as you watch this game so my way too early prediction 
look at senior day for UTSA. So it's not going to be taken lightly by UTSA whatsoever, plus the chances that you talked about in terms of a New Year's Year's Six Bowl. Uh, You know, again, may not happen, but as long as there's a carrot there, and as you said earlier in this podcast, this team plays better with a chip on their shoulder and trying to prove something, not getting ranked in the by the AP, just one more thing to pile onto this team that they're just not going to be happy about. I also think coaching really matters in college football and trailers, just head and shoulders above Dana Dimmel. Look, I think this UTSA defense forces a couple of turnovers in the mid-first half, I think which starts breaking this game open before halftime. Frank is going to hit a couple of long passes, and he's going to get to enjoy this game sitting on the bench about the third quarter or so. So give me UTSA, 41-17 over UTEP, capping an undefeated regular CUSA season. All right, before we go, let's talk about everything else that happened in Conference USA this weekend. Sort of interesting, all but one of the games in Conference USA was very lopsided. In all of the wins, except for the Charlotte and Louisiana Tech game, the winning team scored in the 40s. Kind of interesting. We already talked about UTEP, but they beat FIU 40-6. to uh, Middle Tennessee beat up on FAU. They won 49-21. to Sort of interesting. I mean, Middle Tennessee, we've talked about it. They're kind of this anomaly this year. They actually are bowl eligible with this win. And... They're kind of at the bottom of the Conference USA rankings. So it's interesting to see teams like UTEP, Rice, FAU that are ahead of them in rankings that are not bowl eligible. So I'm not sure what to make of Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee and FAU are so Jekyll and Hyde. We had talked about it just right now with UTEP. If you want to talk about it like at a bigger level, these two teams, like FAU is supposed to be trying to go for the spot in the cha- you know, championship game. Mm-hmm. And look where they're at now. They're, they're completely out of it. So it's it's so bizarre. They're, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess with this third win, they have now put themselves in a tie in the Conference USA standings with UAB, Rice, and UTEP for thir- fourth place in the conference. Yeah, yeah. But out of that group, they are the only ones that are bowl eligible. So I don't know what to say about them. Um, moving along, um, Western Kentucky got beat 41-17 to by Auburn, um, and LSU beat up on UAB 41-10. to So, um, again, there is this kind of 40s theme happening um, for good and bad in Conference <laughs> USA. N- not sure what the significance of that is, but, um, but there you have it. Uh, moving on to UTSA basketball. Um, women's basketball had a tough loss against TCU earlier in the week, 67-74. to 74. Uh, But they came back and they won their first home game against Abilene Christian, 76-70. to 70. We had five girls with double-digit scoring, so it was a pretty impressive outing for the Roadrunners. Yeah, a little bit of tough shooting. Maybe it's just the cold. <laughs> but, you know, to be honest with you, uh, you, I like the intensity that they had on defense. And then, you know, they... On offense, it's just going to be a little bit more under control. They'll be in Vegas this weekend for the Las Vegas Invitational. So hopefully they'll have some success there. Men's basketball, kind of a surprise here. They are off to their best start since 2012. They beat St. Mary's 66-59 to at home. 
I feel like I personally had um, a piece of that victory because they were kind of back and forth <laughs> against St. Mary's. And we had kind of walked behind the court and we're coming back along you know, the court side to head over to the concession area and the ball went flying out of bounds. And, you know, I have this thing about getting hit by a ball. I'm just constantly afraid that it's going to happen. So I see the ball come flying at me. And of course I did the very girly, like hands up to the face, yell and smacked the ball away from me. And it went flying into the back of a cop. But nonetheless, um, because I touched the ball, I feel like right after that you know that's when utsa kind of started to rally so maybe it was my touch on the ball that that helped i'm not sure who ran faster atos or coach trailer <laughs> there was a uh, certainly that kind of reaction and so um well, i was like i mean i, I didn't intend <laughs> you didn't to do anything wrong <laughs> i'm just trying to but make when that you point. have that cop turn around and look at you like what the hell just happened it's like hi i gotta go <laughs> You did nothing wrong. The ball was coming at you and you batted it away. Look. I was just defending myself. Yes, it's self-defense. Exactly. But nonetheless, um, they turned it around at that point and, um, like I said, won 66 to 59. <laughs> uh, followed that up by beating Texas State 61 to 56 um, at home in the Convocation Center. Henson seems to have Texas State's number, um, but that was a really fun and exciting game. Yeah. Um, Jeff Edmedor, um, I think I'm saying his name right. If not, whoops, uh, was really clutch um, at the end of that game. Look, he was. It was good to see a point guard actually like be able to handle the ball and actually really take advantage of the mismatch that was on him, and he did so. Um, there was <laughs> unfortunately there was this Texas State player that's pretty short. Was actually pretty good. Who's I think was second on their team in scoring for the night. Just had a tough matchup against, you know, Jaffet. So I think it's a nice start. It's certainly not the most difficult out of conference. So hopefully they can get some confidence here in these uh, in this out of conference schedule and really kind of buoy them into Conference USA and maybe surprise. Yeah, absolutely. They'll be at home against Prairie View on Tuesday at seven, and then they're hosting the San Antonio Shootout this weekend. Uh, so there'll be at least two opportunities to see them play. They're playing Grambling on Friday at 7. I guess three opportunities to see them play. They're playing Grambling on Friday at 7, Dartmouth on Sunday at 7.30, and UIW at 6.30 on Monday. All right, I think that about wraps it up for us here in the Hail Married podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Atos. And I'm the Toves. We'll be back next week to recap our win over UTEP and secure a undefeated season at Conference USA. Birds up.